welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Monday the 29th of August 2016. This diary accompanies episode number 26 of the podcast. In my news this week, I've done no writing. And by no writing, I mean I've done no non-fiction and no fiction writing. But I have, of course, done lots of writing because I've been actually looking at my email marketing sequences. So I've written a lot of emails this week. I have been writing, but nothing that creates books. I have been chugging through my ideas for The Forgotten Children, which is the next thriller that I'm going to write. I've been letting the murder place just sit there. And uh, my wife's just finishing, actually, as I'm recording this, my wife's finishing it off and will give me her immediate feedback on it. And she spots any immediate snags that I need to fix. And I'm awaiting the return of Don't Tell Meg, which is thriller number one. And, and that's due back by the end of the week. Helen Fazar got in contact with me just before the weekend and said that should be back by Friday. So we start writing one next week. <laughs> we start to edit book two, and then I got to do a final read uh, of Helen's edit on book one. So my head may explode shortly. If you hear an explosion coming from Carlisle, that's probably my head. Um, I may need to cut myself some slack with this because um, that's quite confusing, isn't it? When I read it out like that, <laughs> say it like that, that's probably a bit much. So you may hear me shuffling around my diary and my commitments to accommodate that. But having said that, it may get done. It is actually all scheduled. You know, I'm big on the schedule. I've been plotting it out and I am happy that there are enough you know, breaks and space for gear changes in my head before I do those things. So fingers crossed, we'll, we'll plot along with it and see if we can get it done. Now, basically, uh, there is no rush on Don't Tell Meg. Uh, it's going to go out to publishers and I'll get that done when I get it done. And, and Helen's been through it with a fine tooth comb. So it's going to come back pretty well perfect from Helen, except there will be queries on things. So I'm going to have to sort the the final queries out and sort that final draft out now. But there's no deadline on that. Um, I need to have my edit done of The Murder Place by the end of this month. And I want to have the next book written, The Forgotten Children. That needs to be finished by the end of October. So let's see if we can get that sorted. With that said then, I haven't been doing any creative writing this week. What I've been doing all this week, my head's about to explode in a different way because I've been sorting out automation sequences and social media advertising. I, I, I've been meaning to get on with this for ages and I've just cleared some time to do it. Now, interesting, I've had so much talk about ConvertKit, which is an email marketing tool. Everybody's talking about ConvertKit at the moment. And my get response annual subscription is coming up for renewal in October. So this week I thought, while well, I'm doing all this work on marketing and email and automation, I thought that I would actually take a trial of ConvertKit and take it out for a spin. So I did, and I almost moved everybody into ConvertKit and then I started messing around with it and I found out um, a lot of issues with it. So I'm actually going to stay with Get response. I've just renewed with Get Response for another year. 
So I'm going to talk you through some marketing today because I've given ConvertKit a really good spin this week. And I want to tell you some of the processes that I've done. A lot of you listening to this will be in MailChimp. Now, let me tell you, although I teach MailChimp to people who are learning about internet marketing, you will hear people who are more advanced in their marketing and further on with their email building. You'll all hear them say that MailChimp's fine for a while and then you need to move on. And it's true. MailChimp, in my opinion, is not a long-term option. It's great to start with, but it's not the one that you're going to finish with. So I use GetResponse. I've used GetResponse for years and I've had quite a lot of contacts in GetResponse. This week... What I did with GetResponse is I did a bit of re-engagement, which means I emailed people and I basically said, you know, open the email or get off the list or I'll be deleting you from the list. I told them that I'd be deleting them from the list because I'm cleaning up my emails. I've been in a real fudge zone recently. And by that, I mean in an area where I can't get my marketing right. It's because I've got this tail end of internet marketing. I've been hanging on for dear life. I had a lot of subscribers when I was internet marketing. I had up to about 25 thousand subscribers so I was doing marketing at scale when I was an internet marketer this is a couple of years ago a bit by bit I've kind of moved the list around and cleaned it up and removed subscribers from it they become less responsive over time and and they cost you of course they still cost you the money to, to host them and I've been hanging on for dear life to these subscribers you know I've, I've moved on I'm not doing internet marketing anymore I am doing digital and social marketing but I'm not selling you know, rubbish and do this, um, you, you know, to, to, to get a zillion Twitter followers in a week and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so my audience really is not going to be very responsive to the message I'm giving out at the moment. So there are some people who've been with me since 2000 and was it 2012 since I did my first big internet marketing launch, which is wonderful. They're still very engaged, which is really, really nice. But I've just gone completely just I've just deleted loads of people this week and only the people who are currently interested are interested in my writing and my kind of digital social marketing. Those people are still with me. So my list is boiled right down. And I've done that because, you know, what the heck? I'm doing all I'm doing writing now, I'm doing self-publishing. That's the message. There's no point you being there if you're not interested in that message. So I have burned a lot of subscribers. Now let me just justify that. Before I burn them, I exported them. And they have been imported into Facebook leads, Twitter leads, and Google leads. So I still will be able to access those people, those of them who, who Google, Twitter, and Facebook can tally up with emails. I'm still going to be able to target those people or retarget those people, but I'm not going to pay to keep them in an autoresponder anymore. Now, to clean my list, cleaning lists is an important thing. And I use a service called Bright Verify. Bright is spelt B-R-I-T-E, Bright Verify. So having exported that list from GetResponse, I put it into Bright Verify. And Bright Verify basically boils it down and says some of these email addresses are dead or non-responsive. They would bounce, which is not good. And it gives you a nice clean list of emails. I imported that list into ConvertKit. And then I started setting up some sequences. Now, ConvertKit is pretty... Uh, straightforward it's quite straightforward to use um, you set up lists and tags and automations and things like that and that was all very fine and let me tell you it was absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant for Twitter lead card integration so the things I liked about it were it's really easy to send resend an email to people who didn't open it the first time I love that one click button you could tag people really easily 
The autoresponder sequences are really easy and it gives you some great cues. The automations are very easy and the Twitter lead card integration is extremely easy. It's the easiest that I've seen it until I discovered something else. Now, let me tell you what isn't great about ConvertKit. And no one's telling you this. Uh, I'm going to tell you it because I've given it a real good spin and a thrashing this week. And I imported my list with the aim of moving into ConvertKit. Then I found these problems and I've moved it back into GetResponse now. So I'm sticking with GetResponse. So ConvertKit is not good for creating nice forms or custom forms or adding extra fields. It's really difficult. You've got to actually code. If you want to add, um, I think by default it does email and first name. If you wanted to add last name, you've got to actually go into the code and it gets really uh, quite complicated to do that. Now that is not a beginner's tool, absolutely. Now I was using it, when I was experimenting it, I was using its API with Optimized Press. Now, if you're not extremely technical, an API is just a way of securely linking up two softwares. So it takes a lot of the coding out. So I was testing it with API, with the API and, and Optimized Press and Thrive themes. So you don't have a lot of uh, coding to do with that. It keeps it a lot of, you know, it keeps it quite simple. But all this week, and I know this is not a typical week for ConvertKit, but ConvertKit has been timing out all week. Let me just try it now and see if it's in a timed out about five or 10 minutes ago. I'm just going to type it into my computer now at random when I'm recording this. So the front page is up, but when I go to sign in, let's see if it's going to let me in now. But it's been timing me out all week, and there are people ranting about it on Facebook, and, and it's not delivering emails. It's a real, real problem. I've never, ever had this in several years of using GetResponse. Yeah, it's going to time me out again. Um, so I don't know what's wrong with ConvertKit at the moment. And this is, remember, is just a, a moment in time. It's a random week that I've used it. So I'm sure it doesn't do this all the time, but I'm sorry for a trial week, I'm not using it. If it's going to do that on me ever, I'm not using it. So my, oh, it's logged me in this time. It has actually logged me in. It was very slow. Um, uh, but they've got, uh, they've, they've still got um, uh, uh, an error message on at the moment. They've got an incident report flashing up. It says we're currently experiencing an elevated number of request timeouts. That means it's not working. We are investigating the issue and we'll update the status as soon as we have more information. So it's been doing this all the week I've been using it. And as I say, I've never ever had this with Aweber, never ever had it with GetResponse. Now I cannot, I'm not paying for an email autoresponder service that doesn't, if I'm paying for Twitter leads and it's not taking those leads and gathering that information because it's timed out, I ain't paying for it. That's a big deal for me. So that's put me right off. Now, when I was on GetResponse, I realized that there are a couple of things that I hadn't got access to. I'm I, on GetResponse. I'm on the 5000 package. It's a pro package or something like that. So before I, I kind of canceled GetResponse, I wanted to just make sure which was the best value for money. Now, ConvertKit costs, I've done some dollar conversions, so these are rough numbers, but ConvertKit costs about $37 per month when you pay up front over the year. And that's the same. So you get, uh, is it a thousand emails? I think you get a thousand emails for $37 per month, 37 pounds per month with uh, ConvertKit for the same price paying annually a year ahead with GetResponse. You get 5,000 emails rather than a thousand. You get webinars, free webinars thrown in with up to a hundred attendees. Plus you get built in landing pages, high converting landing pages, just like lead pages, which is the very expensive premium model. Plus you get automation built in. So GetResponse does actually do all the automations that ConvertKit does anyway. So 
the last thing when I was doing all these checks, I really want to have webinars. It's really important to me because I'm going to start doing webinars again shortly. And I looked at the webinar tool that I get with GetResponse. And for some reason, because I was on a legacy account, it hadn't been added to my account. So I got them to add it to my account. And I love it. It does exactly what I want a webinar tool to do, which is that it's a silly thing, this. And only um, go to webinar, the expensive one, allows me to do this. But it allows me to draw on the screen. So if I'm doing demonstrations with Facebook or softwares and showing you how to do things. It allows me to circle things or put arrows next to things when I'm doing my demos. So a lot of the time I'll be saying, oh, click here and click there. It allows me to annotate the screen when I'm teaching, which is really important to me. And the only software service that I've seen that does this with webinars so far is GoToWebinar. And surprise, surprise, GetResponses does that. So it's the perfect tool for me for webinars. Okay, so that means that the only disadvantage of using of ConvertKit or leaving ConvertKit is that lovely Twitter lead card integration that it does. So I did a little bit of hunting and I looked at Zapier. Now, again, I know we're getting a little bit geeky this week. We're not on the writing, uh, but this is all important part of your author publishing and author marketing services. I went on to Zapier and Zapier uh, basically creates links between softwares, cool links between softwares. And I did a little bit digging online and Zapier, although it doesn't actually advertise it as Twitter integration, web, um, Twitter lead card integration, you can actually achieve the same thing. And I've tested it through something called webhooks. If you, if you use Zapier's webhooks, you can link Zapier with GetResponse via these things called webhooks. And I've got a nice little article about it online. It's really, really easy. I'm not quite sure why Zapier hasn't actually created a formal Twitter lead card integration, because dead easy, it does it already. So um, that'll be coming soon, I'm sure, as more and more people pick up Twitter lead cards. So I did some calculations, looked at the services that I got, and to get GetResponse and Zapier, because I have to pay for Zapier to use these webhooks and to use the GetResponse integration, it costs me £37 per month for GetResponse and Zapier, 5,000 emails, webinars, lead pages, and automation. It also costs me £37 per month for ConvertKit for 1,000 emails. So which one do you think I'm going for? Yeah, exactly. I'm going for GetResponse. It's way better value, and it's completely reliable as a service. So uh, that's me. I've just renewed. I've paid my 300 and whatever it is pounds for another year. Uh, I don't have 5,000 people in there at the moment. I've boiled my list right down to about 350. 350 people who are completely engaged with me in terms of self-publishing, the podcast, all the things that I'm doing at the moment. And I'm going to build it right back up again, right from scratch. And everybody who's ever been on one of my lists, right up to the 20, whatever it was, thousand, they have all been in, in, exported. I'm not paying for them anymore, but they're all available to me as audiences, as retargeting audiences in Google, Facebook, and Twitter. So I haven't lost them. I'm just not paying for them at the moment. So that's a long way of telling you that my head is frazzled this week with doing automations and, and sequences and things like this. So the kind of thing I'm doing, for instance, is that if somebody, I've got lots of promotions um, on Twitter. So if somebody requests a free copy of The Secret Bunker, I've got about five graphics made for that, uh, for Twitter lead cards, where they click the lead, they go automatically get added to my email list in GetResponse, and then they get a follow-up sequence of emails, including a link, obviously, to uh, to my 
Secret Bunker trilogy, and I've done this for the grid, I've done it for everything that I've done. So the whole thing is completely automated, and people uh, move through different lists. When they reach the end of one list, it moves them to another. And um, for the self-publishing academy, I've even got scoring, so you get four free trial videos on the self-publishing academy. Each time you open one of the emails, which come in a consecutive four days, you get scored. If you reach a certain score, which means you're really engaged, it triggers another action. So this is really kind of high level um, internet marketing. You can't do this. We can do it with MailChimp. You've got to pay a fortune for it. It's difficult. Um, on GetResponse, it's really easy. So I've been needing to do this for a long time, but it's like um, it's like trying to untangle a big knot, making sure all the sequences work. So at the time of recording this, my brain is frazzled. I did this to relax, and I'm coming back to it uh, in about sort of half an hour's time after tea, and I'll think about it again. And the reason I'm doing all of that is because I'm uh, starting to advertise on Facebook now, starting to advertise on Twitter, and I'm starting to advertise through Google. The Google's gonna come in a week or two actually, um, but I will do retargeting through Google as well for self-publishing Canada. I'm not gonna retarget the books because there's not enough profit margin in them. Um, there's, there's no point doing that. So, busy, 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 all on marketing. Now it's important this though, because you can't just write the books. What I've been doing is I've written the books and I haven't been doing enough marketing. And I need to sort the marketing out. I've known that for some time. And this is me sorting the marketing out. Need to be flogging some books. Need to be shifting more books. Need to have a system in place to do it. And that's what all this work is all about. Um, something else I did, I think I mentioned this on a previous diary. I said that I had used Brian Cohen's best page forward service. Um, I, I said to you that I don't like writing blurbs. I don't like copywriting particularly. I find it hard work. And again, it's another thing that makes my brain... Fry. So I used Brian's bestpageforward.net service and paid $97 for two book blurbs, basically the most important book blurbs in the series, which is book one in the Grid Trilogy and book one in the Secret Bunker Trilogy. Well, I got those descriptions back from Brian this week, and they're, they're excellent. Reading both of them made me want to buy my own books. And that, you know that's great, isn't it? If he's written something that excites me about my own books, that's fantastic. Um, now, $97, you may say that's quite a lot, but I, I got a blurb description for Amazon, you get a um, landing page description, and you get a Facebook ad description, which of course I've used straight away because I've been loading up Facebook ads to go out straight away. So I that felt like really good value for $97 to me. Now let me just put this in context. Copyrighted is really important. When I did my first internet marketing launch in, I think it was 2012, I'm not quite sure when it was, 2012 I think, um, or, or whenever it was, we paid, wait for this, $10,000 for a copywriter. $10,000 for a copywriter for the Auto Cash Funnel sales page. And I, uh, well, I, I was really worried. I was really, the chap I was working with at the time who, who, who'd done this before, it's routine in internet marketing circles to pay that much for a copywriter. I just said to him, I don't want to be the first internet marketer ever to make a loss when he, when he launches a product. But we, we didn't make a loss. It, it, you know, it made a lot of sales, which was great. But can you imagine paying £10,000 for somebody to write you a sales page? But you know, it's so important because it's the difference between one in a hundred people buying and you know four, five, six out of a hundred buying and that increases your profits. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that you pay $10,000 
for a copywriter for your book blurb. That would not be worth it because there's not enough profit in the book. When we were doing the internet marketing launch, we had massive traffic, web traffic. So knowing that we got that massive traffic, we needed to make sure that it converted. So we made as much as many sales as we could from the traffic that we knew that we had. That's what made it worth paying $10,000 for a copywriter. But $97 for me, for the blurbs, for the grid one and the secret bunker one, that's well worth it. And I hope that I will see dividends as we as we move on there. So it's been very exciting updating those descriptions. And the other thing is, uh, I tend not to look at my um, reviews, but um, it actually made me look at the reviews. And we've got, I got a lot of nice reviews there. I'm gonna start using quotes from the reviews in my marketing as well, because some really nice reviews coming up in there now. They come very slowly, which is why I need to do marketing, because I need to be shifting more books. It's all a vicious circle but we're getting some nice reviews in there now. And while I was updating the blurbs on my books, one of the things I decided to do, and I think, again, I've mentioned this in previous diaries, I've started to credit Helen Fazal as my editor on the books now. And I just get uh, such a great service from Helen. And I, I feel that she's so uh, you know enthusiastic about the books and, and she works so hard on the books that I've added Helen now as a contributor, as a contributing editor uh, to the books. So uh, that to me feels only fair because she's so involved in the writing of them and, and particularly with the thrillers. She's done so much work um, on, on the thrillers uh, on Don't Tell Meg. Um, a lot of work in there. Um, and, you know, I, those books would not be what they are without the editor. I've never had a complaint about formatting uh, or spelling in the books in any of the reviews. And I'm, I'm happy to credit Helen for her part of that. Um, so that's a big change on me, credit, crediting my my editor now, uh, which I'm going to do from now on. Um, and because that will help Helen to build her, her career, I hope. And not that she needs it. She's very established already. But anything that I can do to, you know, to help her, uh, I will. And you can listen to Helen's interview in episode 13 of the podcast, if you want to hear Helen talk about how she does the, the editing. A um, couple of new podcasts to listen to. Um, I found three new podcasts that I want to recommend to you. The first one is So You Want to Be a Writer. It's hosted by Valerie Koo and Alison Tate. They're a couple of Australian ladies, a couple of Australian writers. I love that podcast. It's quite long, but it has lots of segments to it. And I really enjoy it. They, they, they work really well together. It's very lovely to hear them chatting and laughing together. They have an interview and they have a couple of little segments, competition, word of the week, little things like that. So it's very much like a show. Quite long. It's usually over an hour. Um, so it's a good thing to do while you're doing a routine job, I, I find, in the car or something like that. I've also discovered Sarah Werner's um, podcast. Hers is called Right Now, the Right Now podcast. And Kirsten Oliphant has a podcast called Create If Writing. Uh, finally, for this week, and I do apologise for going on at such length about marketing, but I know that uh, this will be of interest to uh, a lot of people who are listening to this and are really, really serious about building the marketing funnels in their author careers. Uh, with this diary, I'm going to run a little experiment in September. Now, I can't remember what I was listening to because I listen to so many different things and read so many bits and pieces, but I heard a really good interview about, um, oh, it was, was it Ryan Dice? I think it was. I think the name's right there. Um, I'd bought one of his podcasts. He'd done a very cheap um, download. It was about $9 to read how they did their podcast. And he made a really good point in it, which is that they, 
what what the um, algorithms, the iTunes and the Stitcher algorithms like is if you could deliver traffic, not just on the, the downloads day, the release day, but if you could deliver more consistent traffic over the course of a week. And of course, like virtually all podcast hosts, I get my majority of my downloads on release day and then it goes down, 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 then builds to the next release day. Uh, and that's just typical. So what I thought I would do on, on, the rec- on his recommendation is to go for different peaks in the week so that I'm getting download rushes in, on different days of the week. So for a month from next week, so this will be next Saturday in September, the first Saturday in September, I'm going to start to release the diary on Saturday, the podcast episode on Monday. So that'll be for the next four, five weeks, and I'll see how it goes with the numbers. You'll get the podcast diary in your feed on Saturday. You don't have to do anything. Just sit there. It'll just arrive on your phone or however you listen to your podcasts. So on Saturday, it'll only be available on the feed. So if you're subscribed to the feed, you'll get it. You're not going to get it on the website until Monday. Uh, It'll be on the website on Monday as per usual. But if you've got it on the feed, I listen to podcasts on my mobile phone. I subscribe to the RSS feed. It'll just pop up on a Saturday from next week. I'm going to use it to tease Monday's guest more effectively so I can big up the guest that's coming up on Monday. It'll become a promo. And I want to try and create a double download peak over the course of the week. And we'll see how that goes for the next month. Now, my longer term strategy with this podcast is actually to introduce a third segment. And again, if this works, if this creates more sustained releases of the podcast, that third segment eventually I'm going to release on Wednesdays. So you'll get Monday, Wednesday, Saturday releases from me to try and create peaks, even peaks throughout the week. Also to stagger the content that I'm producing. Now, as I've fallen into a routine, the interviews I record months ahead of time and I process them way ahead. This diary, uh, I'm recording this actually on Sunday, uh, on Sunday the 28th. That's very unusual for me, but I wanted to do all the marketing work that I've been doing so I could give you as much of an update on it as possible when I recorded the diary. But in terms of my routine, I tend to record the diaries on a Friday night. That tends to be the end of my author week. So that fits really well. If I record them on the Friday, I could release them on the Saturday. So as I say, I'm going to do this for the next month during September see how it goes. You tell me how you like it, whether it suits you better, uh, or whether you find it more annoying, whether you'd rather have them all delivered at once. And we'll just see how it goes. We'll give it a try, see how it works out. And if we like it, I'll carry on with the diaries on a Saturday. Okay, that's it from me today. Bit, bit, bit dull, I'm afraid. No creative stuff. But just to let you know, looking at my schedule now, I got, a, I got two days to finish off all this automation work. And then on Wednesday of this week, I, I, I've already been kind of plotting and making notes for the next book, so I know where I'm going with the next book. But I have good fun on Wednesday because I, I boil it all down and I start creating character profiles and location profiles using the Novel Factory, which is my favourite software. Thursday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm up and I'm writing the first 5,000 words of The Forgotten Children. So I start Thriller 3 on Thursday at 5 o'clock or thereabouts, whenever I can drag myself out of bed. I hope to be writing 10,000 words of novel three over the next week. And then after that, the kids are back to school and I'm back to my 
regular writing routine, which means I don't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to do the writing. I could do it at a more civilized time on days when the family are all out. So those are the plans. There's a lot in there, I know, but uh, you know, busy, busy, busy. Even though I haven't been doing any writing this week, it still continues to be busy and it's all related to the, the author job, the author uh, industry, my author career. Okay, thanks very much for listening. I'll be back on Saturday next week. And as ever, if you want to get in contact, if you want to ask me about any of the things I've been doing, just uh, get in touch via social media. As you know, I'm all over the place. Or drop me an email at paul at paulteague.com. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.